Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. It's time for Guide Talk. I'm Bill Arnold, and I've been joined, I'm joined here in the studio with Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn. We're going to have a very extended version of Guide Talk today, which means we're going to need lots and lots of your questions. So when you feel so moved by the Spirit, text them over to me, 877-933-2484. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be here, Bill. Hi, so, Bill. Here's a quick Christmassy question. What was the last Christmas song you heard, and did you sing along with it? In my car on the way here. What'd you hear? Oh, Holy Night, which has got to be the best Christian Christmas song ever, uh, in I, my humble opinion. I would not disagree. That's and yes, song. I did sing along. Yeah. Poorly. <laughs> believe, believe it or not, I sang the same song. Did and you? I love Oh, Holy Night. Yep. Did you hear it recently? I was on, uh, I think I've got it, it, no, no, it was on my Amazon system. Okay. So I can play Christmas music. Cool. So and what's what's your favorite non-Christian Christmas song? Non-Christian Christmas song? Oh, boy. You know, I honestly, I grew up with all of them. You know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with Gene Autry <laughs> was a big one. You know, that was one. But apart from that, I, I really don't have a... F- Favorite one. I think it's got to be that Nat King Cole song. What is that? Christmas, the Christmas song? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. You know, Chestnuts, Chestnuts Roasting so and Open Fire. Or, yeah. or, 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 or Silver Bells. I love yeah. that song, Silver Bells. Yeah. yeah. So do you guys also love the soundtrack to the Charlie Brown Christmas oh, special? Yeah. That by Vince Giraldi? Yeah. It's do, fun. Do you ever get tired of hearing no, that? never. What is it about that? It's just so good. I, I should get that on the show. Been on since 1965. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it first came on. That's how old I am. And I've been singing it ever since and having a good time. Charlie Brown Christmas. And yeah. Linus gets out there and quotes from Luke 2, the yeah, Christmas story. Do you think that would happen in any show produced today? I don't believe so. No, I don't Very remember. unlikely. Yeah. Very was, special show. There was a significant push against it back then. And Charles Schultz, the, the creator of Charlie Brown and Peanuts, said, no, 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 no. If this is going to happen, the Luke 2 uh, monologue goes in the show. Good for him. Yeah, he stood up for it. I didn't know that. Yeah. An odd fact known by few. <laughs> but that's what we need. We need Christians who will stand up. Oh, okay. <laughs> odd facts, too. We need Christians who will stand up in the public place without being, you don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to be rude or, or crude. But you need to be able to stand up with your convictions and state them very plainly in front of people and not be shy. But there's too much shyness in Christianity today, and you see the culture pretty much forcing Christians to be quiet when we need to be the most outspoken there are with the truth of the gospel. There is less respect and more attack dogs out there, though. There are, and I personally have been attacked. I have been threatened by people. I would hope so. Yeah, I have. You declare the gospel, and if you're not getting attacked... There's plenty of that that goes on, Mm -hmm. but the bottom line is, I came to the conclusion a long time ago, I would rather see my life come to an end, proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ, than to live a long life that's basically lived for me. Well, you know, I think of that story in Acts where the couple of the disciples are arrested and brought before the authorities, and they are told, don't you speak in this name of Jesus anymore. And they were actually beaten. 
And they released him, and, and they basically said, shall we obey God or men? We cannot help but speak about what we've seen and heard. And it could have cost them their lives at that very moment. But one of the leaders said, hey, wait a minute, guys, this might be from God. And if it is from God, you're not going to stop it. So they exactly. let him go with a beating and they walked out and they did not stop talking about what they've seen and heard. And neither should we. You know, you look at what's going on in our culture and how things have changed so dramatically. I mean, TV hides nothing anymore. All alternative lifestyles are on there, and it's being talked about as though it's normal, legislation behind it and everything else. I think, from my opinion, the Lord Jesus is allowing this to happen, to wake up his church, because the church has become part of the culture. We pretty much blended in, and we got silent because we didn't want to lose our tax exemption, and we didn't want to appear radical. So the church got very silent about these issues, and sometimes we weren't very articulate in what we had to say. We need to be articulate with the Word of God and stand up for the truth and be in the public arena. Um, and I know how important that is, and I've seen many people do that. And, and God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity and of fear, but of power. I mean, we should boldly—I mean, Paul says, pray that I might proclaim it boldly as I should. We should never be ashamed or fearful of sharing Christ with the world. Great question is, do we live lives of distinction so we look different from the world and the lost? Well, we should. I mean, that's what basically when God calls us to live holy, that word is basically to uh, set apart. We have been sanctified. We have been set apart. We should be different than the world, and the world should notice it. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, he set apart a nation, Israel, and they were different because of the laws that he gave them. Today, he's given us the Spirit of God and has set us apart to be that light and salt in this world. My grandmother was a very Christ-centered woman. Uh, she died when I was 11, the only grandparent I knew. But I remember spending time with her, and I remember telling me, and she said, Tommy, when you when you serve your neighbor, for Jesus' sake— when you're done, they should be able to say after you've left, Jesus was here. Hmm. And think about that. If we really began to think that way and operate that way, we would become the presence of Jesus because we're there to represent him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't personally want to live like the Amish do, but whenever you see them, you realize they live distinctly different lives from they the do. rest of us. And do we? would we appear to the world as believers— to have that much of a contrast. I just had this conversation with a guy today because one of our temptations as Christians is that we look at the world and we say, oh, look how messed up this world is. You know, where is righteousness? It seems like wickedness is prospering everywhere. And our tendency can be we want to withdraw into ourselves, right? It's like, who who's ever thought about buying an island and just getting a whole bunch of Christians and just starting over someplace else, <laughs> away from all this, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think God has called us to withdraw from the world. We are not of the world, but he, I think he still wants us to be in the world, to not shrink back and withdraw, but to, to offer that word of life to the world. Um, so that means, like, Tom, what you were talking about earlier, in the worst place in government to be bearers of righteousness in the world. Don't withdraw from it, um, but to um, to challenge when, call, to call good, good, and evil, evil when we see it. Right. And if we don't, the devil's going to have a heyday, mm-hmm. and he's already having that. And there is such confusion in our culture. I am astounded in all my years of life that 
I'm seeing 13, 14, and 15-year-olds already contemplating suicide. Hmm. And some of them have. When I was 13, 14, and 15, it had much more to do with I discovered there were girls out in the world, and I discovered I was going to drive soon. I had nothing to do with ending my life. What a tragedy we've created with this kind of stuff. But it's because the authority of God's Word has been lost in our culture. It's even lost in too many pulpits. I hate to say that, but I've seen that. And most Christians don't know how to engage the world with the good news, and their kids aren't being engaged either. Well said. We're off to quite a start. We haven't even gotten a question. Yeah, there yet. wasn't a question. I mean, there, in there, there, anyway, great, <laughs> there are some questions coming in, but you know, just kind of a nice way to start. If you have a question for the power panel today, please text it over to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Here's a question: When did Paul become Saint Paul, or is that a Catholic thing? Hmm. It's not a Catholic thing. No. It's a very biblical thing. In fact, if you go to the start of almost, I, I can't remember quite off the top of my head, but almost every one of Paul's letters begins with, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Colossae, to the saints in wherever. So he calls everybody who is born-again Christian a saint, and the, the Greek word for saint is actually hagios, which means holy, which when we accept Christ, we are made holy. So you, Bill, are actually, according to the Bible, Saint Bill. Mm-hmm. And everybody who is in Christ is actually a saint. For, for an organization to say we are the only ones that can declare someone a saint, I just don't think is biblical because it's God who declares somebody a saint. So Paul became Saint Paul the moment he believed and was saved. Jeff's right, and that word hagios also means set apart. Set apart for a purpose. And I think what most of us have not understood, and I've been trying to, to talk about this a lot in the churches I get to serve, is that every believer in Jesus Christ is not only a saint, they have been set apart, they are ambassadors of the gospel and ministers of reconciliation. They have a very vital role to play in being the voice of Jesus in this world and of presenting the gospel. And we're all going to do it differently because we're all made differently. But the bottom line is every believer is a saint already, not because of some spectacular act on their part, but because of the spectacular act on Jesus' part in his shed blood for us. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Afternoons with St. Bill. And, <laughs> well, you guys told me I was It's true. You are. It's it true. true. I'm just responding I'm, I'm to what I was you. told. Yeah. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, I would love, love to get questions from you. I know you've got a question in the back of your brain that you've been struggling with, maybe a passage of Scripture. You even talked about in a Bible study this morning, and uh, you want to get some questions. I love. Here comes Snoopy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. We want to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. Welcome to the show. It is Guy Talk, or Guys Who Talk. 
Pastor Tom Parrish, Jeff Verdorn is my power panel. But MVP already goes to, to Ryan, Ryan Mitchell, who brought in that uh, Vince Giraldi music from uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas. And we didn't see that coming. No, we didn't. Kapawi, blindsided, just comes out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. there it is. Because that's the way he thinks. That's the way he operates. I like it. Yeah, I do too. So if you have a question, we'd love to uh, hear your question. Please send it over to 877-933-2484. All right. Gentlemen, are there angels among us today? And what is their purpose? Well, there is no statement in the Bible that angels have ceased to exist. Many people have said they've run into angels. The Bible tells us, you know, be careful because you could entertain angels unaware. So the basic assumption of Scripture is that there are angels here. Now, how far, what authority the angels have beyond what we know in the Bible? I don't know. I've run into people that go to extremes with this kind of stuff. You know, the the angels are always doing these things. Uh, Well, there may be angels involved, but it is still ultimately Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit making things happen. So, yes, I do believe in angels. I do believe they're here. Uh, I do believe they have a purpose, and uh, I would affirm that biblically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see angels appearing before men, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. They always appear in bodily form or like men in man in human form, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And there's this interesting passage, and you referenced it, Tom, and, and I looked it up while you were talking. It's in Hebrews 13.2, and it says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels yeah. without knowing it. Wow. And it's like, I have heard, and you probably have too, many stories of like, then this guy showed up and helped us with such and such or pulled me out of the car or did this, and then the police showed up, and we have no idea who this guy was or where he came from or where he went or whatever. And I often wondered, man, is that an angel coming down and helping us out in our time of need? Um, you know, ministering angels appeared to Jesus when he was in the wilderness, and and we we get this sense that there are times where God just might send angels down, and I believe that can still happen today, according to Hebrews 13, too. Of course. I like that. All right. Um, oh, another question regarding angels. Are the angel Christmas tree toppers, the women with wings, are they actual angels? On the tree? Yes. The you, last... Go, go ahead. ahead. For the figurine, you mean? I believe uh, that's the question, yes. Uh, no, they're, they're symbolic. I guess you could use that terminology of the angels coming to the shepherds, and it's on the top of the tree because they were up in the sky, as we picture when they announced the good news and sang, uh, but in terms of the actual ornament, no. Yeah, yeah I don't I, I, I don't know exactly the meaning of the question, but if an, the ornament is just a representation of a real angel, I don't believe that an inanimate object, uh, even in the shape of an angel, is an angel or has the power of an angel or anything mm-hmm. else. So. It inhabits no spirit of, Correct. A, of an angel. Okay, yeah. that was my thought as well. All right, here's a question beautifully addressed. Hi, St. Bill. You know, <laughs> you know that, that question went right to the top of the list. Of course so it did. Yeah, that's got my attention. But I'm going to throw you guys a bone right now. Hi, St. Bill and other saints alongside you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit harder to read than the hi, St. Bill part, just so you know. Over the last uh, four years, I've been in the, in, life, in the life of a Hindu man who cannot really separate the difference between his God and Jesus. 
he really does love Jesus when he thinks that there needs to be more when I have told him that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and that there's only one God. Is there anything else that can be said, or does the Holy Spirit just have to work in his heart to convict him of the truth? Well, he quoted a beautiful passage that I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, Jesus is the only door, the only gate, the only way to heaven. And uh, it, it's not the first time in history. It's that, that, that was the, the listener the, right. that said that Jesus is the only way, not, not the Hindu man. Right, but I'm assuming he, in his question, he was, he's already told the Hindu man that truth. And so I was yes. commending him for saying he used a beautiful passage. It's a, a woman, I believe. Yeah, okay, a woman. woman. Yeah. Um, and so where I was going to go next is this is not the first time. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, witch doctors, uh, you know, in the Caribbean who maybe have believed but still rely on the witch doctor in the village to bring healing when they should be going to Jesus, uh, whether it's in Africa or around the world, anywhere. I mean, there, there's lots of people who have maybe added Jesus to their religious understanding of the world. And uh, they haven't maybe quite realized that, no, there are no other gods. There's this passage, mm, I can't remember, maybe you can help me out here, guys, where God basically says, you take some wood, and with some of it, you carve an idol. Yes. And with other, you cook your food, and then you bow down to this idol and give thanks to the food. God's basically saying, don't you understand what you're doing? It's simply a piece of wood. There's no force or life or anything in this idol. I am the one true God. And the fact that they're struggling understanding that, well, there's lots of people that struggle understanding it. So keep pouring into this person like it seems you are with the verses that you have been quoting to them. Yeah, I would say the listener is blessed to have an ongoing conversation with somebody who is kind of in between like that is pretty amazing. And I found that the longer you're willing to engage people, respect them, and talk to them, the more the Lord opens the door. Now, I've tried to memorize a lot of scripture in my life. I'm sure all of us have. And I, I don't have a trick verse that I pull out in these situations and say, this is the one that's going to make the difference. What I do, though, is I try to be very open to whatever the Spirit leads me to say at that moment, and he'll bring Scripture verses to mind. Sometimes he, brought, he brings a story to mind. Sometimes he brings a question to mind. You know, like with somebody who's Hindu, I know there are way over 700 gods in Hinduism and a belief system, uh, but, you know, what Hindu god has ever risen from the dead? What Hindu god has ever said, I love you? What Hindu God ever has ever said, I forgive you. I know enough about Hinduism that most of the Hindus I've met don't have an answer to that. And sometimes it's not saying that to put them down or to put them in a corner, but it's what do you call fodder for the Holy Spirit to work on their heart so that late at night when they're going to bed, mm. they're thinking, wow, I've, I've never had anything like that. You mean Jesus really said this and he said it for me? So that's part of the process I use and try to do that consistently. I have a good friend and he was discussing some things with a Hindu man and he doesn't know where he actually got this line, but he went over to his house for dinner and when he introduced, the mm-hmm. when the Hindu man introduced him, my friend, to his wife, he said, I would like you to meet the man whose God knows his name. And that's how he introduced my friend. And he's like, whoa, where did he get that? What were we talking about? I don't know. But that this idea of a personal God who dwells within you is foreign to many world religions. It really is. Yeah. And again, 
when you have conversations with people of different denominations and faith backgrounds, do you ever ask them how their faith helps them live out their everyday life? Or when they die, what do they think is going to happen? Oh, of course. I mean, and that is one of the key things I learned a long time ago, that I need to have the gospel secure in my heart. I need to have a clear gospel presentation. But I don't start with a clear gospel presentation. I usually start out listening and with questions. Yeah. Tell me how you're doing. Tell me, you know, how do you, how do you feel now that your parents have died? What do you think about it? Where are they right now? And a lot of folks in those situations don't have an answer. They're they're struggling. And I literally say to people, you know, it's interesting because I have found the answers. And if you'd ever like to know, I'd be glad to tell you. And I stop right there. And I've never been able to get out of a restaurant or elsewhere with these people where they don't grab me and say, I've got time now. Mm-hmm. Now they give me permission and I tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I've seen not all of them, certainly, but a good number come to faith. It's I've asked a number of people that question, typically in a progression of, you know, well, where do you think all this creation came from? You know, did it just show up or did someone, did a God make it? Um, where do you think you came from, your life? You know, have you ever thought about that? That's kind of origins of man, right? In, in an anthropology kind of discussion, origins and destinations. And then this destination question, well, have you ever thought about what's going to happen when you die? And it it's amazing to me how often you get the answer, no, not really. And I usually say something like, well, you know, there's there's about 7 billion people on this planet. You know what every person who's ever lived has in common? They've all died. Yeah. And it, it astounds me that so many people don't think of that ultimate, inevitable event, their death, and what happens in that moment. It sounds strange. That's why I love to do funerals. Because at funerals, people are finally facing the real mm. questions of life. Why am I here? What happens to me when I die? What was I supposed to do in this life? And I bring those up, and I'll say, you know, today is your dress rehearsal. Because you're going to die too, just like I am. And Boy, how you're are you a downer. Answer? <laughs> you are such a downer. But how, it's true, right? Remind I me mean, not to go to any of your funerals. <laughs> There's only two people that haven't died on this planet, and that was uh, Enoch and Elijah. Yeah. Everybody else, death has come at some point in time. It's a reality. But the point is, you know, I, I've always learned, and I, I want to say this politely, part of the thing we forget is we want to preach, teach, and stir people up a little bit. So I don't expect to see great conversions to happen at funerals or anywhere else, although I've seen that happen. I mean, it does happen. But it's usually three, four months later, a year later, I'll get this strange phone call. Do you remember so-and-so's funeral? Well, yeah, I was there. Oh, okay. I can't remember this. Right. Do you remember you saying this and this and this? It's usually fairly close. And I'll say, well, yeah. I haven't been able to sleep since I heard that. Huh. And and I need some questions answered. Do you have time? And I'm, yeah. And we begin to talk. Mm-hmm. Preach to the living. Yeah. I think people are incredibly hungry for respectful adult conversations on serious subjects. Yeah. I sometimes say, do you like small talk or should we just get to who are you and what makes you tick? <laughs> You know? Good point. And people kind of feel delighted, like they're they're being invited into something that's not your typical, how are you, fine, how are you, I'm good, you know. Or the weather. Was, yeah. Sports. You see the Vikings last week, yeah. 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 I think it's wise, but I had a friend who did that with online dating. And he's never <laughs> out of the day yet. Yeah, I can see how that didn't work. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, uh, let me know what questions you have for the power panel today, 877-933-2484. Once again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. We don't have to change those lyrics, do we? The Afternoon Show with St. Bill Arnold. <laughs> no, no, it'll fit right in. Okay, all right, yeah. good, good. I'll be singing it all the way home. Yes. Well, thank you for tuning in today. And if you are a regular listener on this day of the week, you know that this is when we do guy talk or guys who talk. We're going to be doing an extended version today, which means plenty of time for your questions. So whatever you have that you've been thinking about, and maybe it was as early as a Bible study today or a devotional you read, and you, you read something, you, you thought, I don't know if I know exactly what this means, or help me put it in a better, in the right context. So you can text the question over to 877-933-2484. Uh, Tuesday I had uh, Dr. Andy Davis on, and he was talking about 1 Corinthians. When we got to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, it brought up an interesting point. Let me read. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, the discussion point I would like to have with you, fine gentlemen, is what does it mean uh, to be in an unworthy manner? Because if you are, you'll be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord, and nobody wants that. This is an interesting question because one of the things that happens to those who do eat unworthy. Now, remember um, a little background that they were eating this meal like it was a meal to get satisfied, and that's not the purpose of this. And it it seems like they weren't doing it in a very God honoring way. That's not the purpose of this. We know what the purpose of the Lord's Supper is, and that is to remember what God has done on the cross, and that's why we. We still, to this day, celebrate the Lord's Supper with bread and with wine because it was the bread that was the body broken for you. The cup was the wine that was poured out for you. So we do this in remembrance of him. But then there's this thing where some are eating it in Corinth in an unworthy manner. And there is a specific judgment that can come upon these people, sickness and even death. This passage is one that has always kind of bothered me. And it was probably about a year ago I was thinking about this, and I'm, I started thinking, are these people who are eating it in an unworthy manner actually believers, or is Paul saying, examine yourself to, like he says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, are you really a believer or not? And so what has bothered me is, if you are truly in Christ Jesus and, and, and united with him, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Will these judgments truly come on a believer or not? That's what my hesitation was. But now I'm kind of thinking these might be unbelievers, and that is the examined part that Paul is exhorting them for, and that who is who this judgment of sickness and even death is coming upon. Um, now, I wouldn't you know hold fast to that for sure, but it's just an idea that I had. What I see in this text that I think is interesting, and being a pastor for a long time, you know, you can have the same audience of people come every Sunday, every Wednesday night to Bible study or to preaching or whatever else, and yet see no movement in the church toward reaching unbelievers, caring for one another, 
you know, ministering to one another when things are difficult. And I think oftentimes uh, I've been very blessed to see uh, some tremendous healings and miracles. Here's the interesting part. Having seen it, I rarely see anybody converted to Jesus as a result. Everybody goes, wow, isn't that neat? And then they go back to their normal way of life. But where people do change is then when they run into people who claim Jesus and are really concerned about one another and live out this, see how these Christians love one another. I'll give you an example. Uh, Where I'm at in downtown uh, Minneapolis, we have people from different backgrounds, racial backgrounds that come every Sunday. So we were a pretty mixed congregation. Uh, I recently had a woman who gave a testimony. Uh, A young woman absolutely blew me away. She said, you know, I I never would thought I'd come to a church where there were people that weren't my racial background. But she said, I've been coming, and I must tell you, for the first time in my life, I'm at home. Hmm. I'm loved here. We love you. You're our family. And there wasn't hardly a dry eye in the place when she said that. The bottom line is, we become unworthy when we proclaim the gospel, you know, but don't live a life that even begins to match that. And the outsiders, and here's the problem, we can see it among one another. And it drives us crazy. So I'm not as concerned. I mean, I'm very concerned about salvation. I'm not as concerned about salvation in this text as I am. Are we truly being the people that Jesus called us to be? And when we're taking the Lord's Supper, hey, that's his body and blood. We remember that. It is It is critical. We better be sure that we're living for him and not for ourselves. There is a, I, what you said reminds me of Ephesians 4. I think it's verse 1 right away. It says, uh, live a life worthy of your calling. I mean, we are supposed to live a life set apart, like we were talking about earlier, in this world. Um, people should know that we are followers of the risen Lord by how we live and, and how we act and what we do and what we say and what we teach. And and uh, the, all of the exhortations in the New Testament about living a life uh, holy, set apart, pleasing to him, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, you know, sexual immorality, all of these activities that the world jumps into and does all the time, we should, uh, our lives should appear different. You know, Tom Brady is probably the best NFL quarterback that's ever lived. I mean, he's, wow, it's amazing at his age. Here's the bottom line. Can you imagine if when he got out of college, he said, no, I'd rather party. No, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to go there. He would have missed a lot of his calling in life because his success in football has given him a platform that's influencing thousands of people, you know, all over the world. That's who we are as Christians. We have a purpose. And when we understand that purpose and live that out, it gives us the platform to proclaim the gospel and influence the lives of others. And Paul uses some of the metaphors, athletic metaphors uh, about yeah. running the race and I buffet my body and, you know, it's it's work. You have to work to set yourself apart from the rest of this world. But I was, I was thinking, I want to get back to this, the judgment. It says, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Yeah. And so the question is what I was bringing up earlier is, who is that? Are those believers who are born again, who somehow are not discerning the body of Christ, verse 29, uh, and therefore are drinking judgment on themselves, or are these unbelievers in Corinth who don't understand that what they're really eating is the body? Of, I, sorry, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not gonna go down the transubstantiation path here. I almost I almost said that it actually is the body and blood of Christ, and I don't believe that. I think it's symbolic of the body and blood of Christ. But recognizing that it is symbolically the body 
and blood of Christ and what he did on the cross. And so there's a big part of me in this passage anymore that believes these are most likely unbelievers who are uh, eating and drinking judgment on themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I said, that's just a thought that I've had. You know, Tom Parrish, you bring up Tom Brady, and, and even he can't escape some bullying and name-calling because there's some people out there that call him a goat. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, that's pretty degrading, would you say? Greatest of all time. Oh, okay. I to clarify for oh, some of our you. listeners. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, I'd, love that, being, I'd love being called a goat in the no, that, NFL. That changes everything. Okay. All right. Uh, 877-933-2484. Send your questions over. Here's a great question. Uh, at a recent small group, at what point did Jesus know that he was going to suffer and die? Was he aware as an infant, as a toddler, when he was 12, at his temptation, at his baptism? How much detail do you think he knew, and at what point? Hmm. I've thought about this question a lot, and we actually don't have a lot of information about Jesus as a young person until his ministry begins. We know that—here's a couple of things that we do know— when uh, Mary uh, and Jesus was still in Mary's stomach um, in her uterus, comes across to her cousin, and John the Baptist is in, in right there in in uh, in Elizabeth Elizabeth yeah I couldn't mm-hmm. think of her name Elizabeth in her womb. Uh, John the Baptist leaps in the womb, so it's like John the Baptist before he was born somehow knew or you know there was a a, a sense of knowledge there. The only other story we have is when Jesus went to the temple yep. and he was left behind by his parents and his parents come back and kind of upset. Where have you been? You know, we and he says, I had to be in my father's house. Um, and the picture, the scene was that he was actually teaching the teachers of the law something. And so he must have been very wise even as a young man. Uh, so you have a sense that early on, even before his public ministry, he understood um, you know, who he was, his role, and so on. Um, but it's not spelled out specifically in Scripture anywhere. No. And I think there is—it doesn't need to be spelled out, and here's why. Jesus became truly man, and he was truly God. When he became truly man in Philippians 2, it said he gave up his godly powers in that sense. He mm-hmm. obeyed the Father. So there was an unveiling, even to Jesus, on what was going to happen. The amazing part to me is if I became flesh as God and I knew it was going to happen and I came up with that idea, I could endure it to the very end. It's another matter when I become human and I give up all my godly powers. So I'm not I'm not ahead of everybody in the sense of I know everything that's going to happen, but this is what the Father is calling me to do. you know. And that's why the Garden of Gethsemane always hits me so hard mm-hmm. three times. Father, you know, remove this cup, but not my will, but your will. That's submission shows what humans are meant to do as human beings, which Adam and Eve didn't and the rest of us haven't, and who Jesus really was. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, as a man, my picture is always, he took his his godly crown and godly robe and godly everything and, and left them on the throne and came down as a man. He, he became like us in every way, except he was without sin. I think that's Hebrews 2 says, and uh, and he was a man. And as a man... I see him as the only person who's ever walked by perfect faith every day of his life. And uh, and that is what made him the spotless Lamb of God who then took away the sins of the world. All right, here's a question from Martha in Manchester, Connecticut. Hello, Power Panel. On several occasions recently, I've had people say, 
And so I prayed to my mom or I prayed to my dad because their loved one has passed on. I tell them, gee, I go right to the top and pray to the Lord Jesus. I'm not sure how to handle that when it comes up. I want to be kind, but I just don't get that thinking. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Oftentimes, I I run into people who say things like this. And, you know, my my tendency is to roll my eyes and want to, you know, kind of say, what is wrong with you and your thinking? But that usually isn't very helpful, Bill. I usually have to approach it a different way. So what I, I try to do now is that when people say things like that, you know, I will say to them, that's fascinating. Can you show me in the New Testament where it says we should pray to our mother? Can you show me where it says we should pray to our earthly father or cousin or child? If you can show me that, then I can affirm that. But I know of a lot of passages where Jesus says we should go directly to the Father or pray through him, and I don't see anything different. So if you've got something, I want to see it. But if not, I'd ask you to rethink what you're saying. Yeah, your tone's probably pretty important on that, isn't it? It's huge. Because it does sound like you kind of are asking a gotcha question. Yeah, you don't want to be kind of— Can you show me where that is in the Bible, please? Well, yeah, yeah, you don't want to say it that way. No, I know. I'm saying <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. saying how, how you important want, tone you is. You want to really, you know, say that's interesting. Can you show me? I've never seen that. Yeah, and let them answer. Yeah, there's this passage in Revelation 19 where John is receiving a vision, uh, and an angel is basically leading him through this vision. And in 19, it says, "And I fell at his feet, this angel, and worshipped him. And he said to me, Do not do that." I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, right? And so this angel is even saying, don't worship me, right? Worship God. I think that is the picture. This goes to the heart that there is one door to God, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. It says, Mm -hmm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We mentioned this verse earlier. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, there's Timothy says there's one mediator between God and man. There's no other name, Acts 4 says, there's no other name under heaven and earth by which men can be saved. There's there's only one way to God, and that's through Christ. You pray to the Lord God through Jesus Christ and in his name, not to anybody else. And I think that's clear in Scripture. So I think the exhortation that this that this uh, listener gave to the person is spot on. Go right to the top. Why go to any other intermediary or or mediator when you can go directly to God? And by the way, Scripture says exactly that. The Hebrew says we can come before his throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we have already been forgiven and have been sealed with his Holy Spirit and can come before his throne. You have a hotline to God. Why would you use any other phone? And the Bible also says, you know, there's only one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last time I looked, one means one. It doesn't mean multiplicity. I would be inclined to say, boy, it sounds like you really miss your mom or you really miss your dad. That's important. Because you're crying out and you probably want their parental love or support or something. That's a that's a good read behind the theology to the heart of the question or the mm-hmm. comment. That's that's really love it. Yeah, I do too. Oh, there's a Saint, Saint Bill. Saint Bill, you know, yeah. comes through again. <laughs> why not? That's why we're here. We're here All to right. learn from you. <laughs> let me uh, let me take a short break. We come back. Lots of time for your questions. We're, we're going to do an extended version today of Guy Talk. So keep them coming. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. What got discussed in your Bible study lately? What what brought up everyone's uh, curiosity or emotions, maybe you can remember that well and you want to present it to us to talk about, please send the question over, 877-933-2484.
Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Martha said, thank you, St. Bill, and those other guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the other guys. Yeah. You are listening to Guy Talk or Guys Who Talk. The power panel is Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn. If you want to send a question over, we'd love to get it from you. 877-933-2484. Here's an interesting question. Do you think the Antichrist knows he is the Antichrist as a child? I've heard that there is, has to be an Antichrist in every generation. But isn't it possible that it might be a woman? I don't think it's a woman. I think Scripture makes it clear. He's actually called the man of lawlessness uh, in places. And some of the other descriptions make it seem clear that he is a man. Um, He sets himself up in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God, uh, Thessalonians says. So, uh, one of the things he does does is try to claim to be God at the midpoint of the coming tribulation period. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a man. Um, I've heard this, this teaching that there's an Antichrist in every generation waiting to become the Antichrist, uh, primarily because Satan doesn't know when the end times is going to come. So he has, so the theory goes, he always has someone in the wings waiting, all right? And um, I actually know the Ed Hinson of the Pre-Trib Research Center, and he's a professor out at Liberty University. I believe he's the one who came up with this idea and, and thought. I understand the rationale behind it. I don't think it's necessary because there's a very unique line in Revelation 17 about the Antichrist. And twice it says this Antichrist who's coming into the world, he once was, now is not, and is coming again out of the abyss. He once was. Once was. So now, John has seen a vision. Okay. He once was. So now is prior to 90 AD, he was around. Okay. Now he isn't. And he's coming again out of the abyss. I don't know anybody from the abyss. I don't know if you guys you know anybody from the abyss. No, I don't either. So I think this is going to be un- a unique character in human history that will come back from the dead will be raised to be the Antichrist. And that is my interpretation of that passage from Revelation 17. So I don't think there needs to be an Antichrist in every generation who's waiting to become the Antichrist. However, First John makes it clear that in this world there are already many Antichrists. Yeah. If you are opposed to Christ, you are an Antichrist. And so there's actually many Antichrists. Some have r- risen to infamy, really, like Hitler or Stalin or Mao Zedong or whoever, uh, these people have been opposed to Christ in big ways. But the Antichrist is yet to come. 
during the tribulation period, I believe. My father-in-law gave me a good perspective on this. He was in the Battle of the Bulge. So he was right there wow. and, you know, and fighting against the Germans. And, you know, he somebody said to him in the trenches, you know, aren't you afraid of the Germans? Aren't you afraid of what they can do to you? And he said, yeah, normally I would be, but uh, they should be more afraid of me because I'm well armed. And I think for Christianity, this is one of the dangers. We get caught up in, and, and whatever the Antichrist is going to do, he's going to do. I'm not worried about the Antichrist. I'm worried about being very, really armed with the word of Jesus and with his shed blood. Amen. And, and my experience, because I worked with uh, people that are caught up in deliverance ministry or demonic or whatever else, uh, I have never as yet in all my years seen the demonic in any form really be able to stand up the name of Jesus. Hmm. But too often we don't use his name. We don't use his shed blood. We don't know how to employ that. And for every Christian, we need to understand we have the authority and the power and yeah, there's there's going to be a mess at the end, but we've already overcome that. You know, just about every place, and I have a list of them, every place this Antichrist character who is to come, and he's called the Beast in Revelation 13, but almost every place he's mentioned in Scripture, God reminds us that he is a defeated foe, and he goes off to his destruction, Scripture will say, over and over and over again, just to remind us, don't worry, Christians, uh, I've read the back of the book. Yep. I know who wins in the end. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's a comment from Mike. He said a couple comments today brought this to my mind. At my son's funeral, my sister-in-law accepted Christ. Wow. Will anyone accept Christ because of what is said about my life or your life? A goal we need Christ to help us with. Lovely. Pursue Jesus. Every day, mm-hmm. seek to honor him as best you can. Repent openly when you're wrong. Forgive others. And you will have an impact on others when you die because it will be Jesus shining through you. Most people that die and don't have Jesus in their life now, they just don't shine at all. There's not much to say about that. Mm-hmm. But for those who do, tell him, mm-hmm. I want you to know you can have a great effect. Mm-hmm. Tom, I would like, uh, if you don't mind, as the pastor here at the table, would you pray for Mike? Um, he lost his son years ago, and yep. and he's slogging life forward without his boy. It's but a tough there's one. but there's many other like him as well. So pray for Mike and his uh, life, and then all the others listening today that have lost a child, yeah. and that are mm-hmm. now looking at the Christmas season without their their beloved son or daughter. Lord Jesus, our heart aches for Mike and so many in his situation. And Lord, I I lost a grandchild uh, that was killed. I know pain, but Lord Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. And even though we come to Christmas without our son or daughter or our grandchildren, as we would have preferred, they are with you, many of them, and we as we have faith, we will be with you, Lord Jesus, forever. So bring comfort and peace right now. Bring hope. Take away the gloom that uh, surrounds us in these moments and give us the ability to rejoice and to really hear the angel's words, I bring you good news of great joy. Let that joy reign in our hearts, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Got a really nice comment from Jennifer. She said, I loved your comments on the Snoopy Christmas special. I've always loved the show when I was young, and sadly, I agree that it would not have been produced in today's climate. Mm. Yeah. Um, Holy Night is still my favorite Christmas song, All right. my Christian song, and my secular favorites include Silver Bells, The Grinch, and Nat King Cole Holiday Song. 
Rudolph and Jingle Bells. I always enjoy your conversations and dialogue. It makes me question things I haven't really considered before. Cool. Merry Christmas. Isn't that fun? Merry Christmas. Thank that you. That is fun. Yeah, that's such such good news. All right, we're going to do a lot more guy talk today. So that means we got lots of time for your questions. And if you would take the time right now, maybe you heard something in a Bible study. Maybe you're reading a devotional this morning and you thought, I would like to know more about that. You can uh, text the question over to 877-933-2484. And we have had just an overwhelming response to a little promotion that we've done, that we're doing this month, which is um, uh, giving people a chance to nominate someone who might be in a very difficult situation. And if that's the case, we're calling it Give Hope for Christmas. And you can't change their journey, but you can encourage them in it. So pray to see how you might be the hands and feet of Jesus this Christmas and let Faith Radio know of the need they have. And so we might be able to bless them with a $500 Visa gift card. So you can learn about Give Hope for Christmas at MyFaithRadio.com. And uh, if you have not downloaded the Faith Radio app, I recommend you do that. I have it on my phone. And you can listen to Faith Radio live or on demand. You can sit there and demand it. Phone, give me Faith Radio. You can demand it. No matter where you are, no matter where you go, you can download the the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. Again, lots more guide talk. We've got a special little uh, discussion coming up in the next hour as well. I don't want you to miss it, but send your questions over to 877-933-2484. And I will be back with more guide talk with my power panel, Pastor Tom Parrish and Jeff Verdorn. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.